This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. In our study of 2 Timothy so far, we have established the unqualified necessity of, of guarding the gospel, preserving the biblical gospel so that we have a strong saving gospel to pass on to the next generation. With only 6% of Canada's population now affirming the Holy Scriptures and the biblical gospel, uh, we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of discipleship that needs to take place. We need to make more disciples and plant more churches who will guard the gospel and preach the gospel until the king comes back. So would you please take your Bibles or your Bible app this morning and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. In this passage, there are four words of encouragement that were written for us and to us. They are so current and so relevant for today. The first word of encouragement, be strong in the grace of Jesus. Paul writes to Timothy in verse 1 and says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now just a few verses earlier, at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is reminding Timothy that a very large percentage of the population of Asia had actually turned away from him and turned away from the gospel. Apparently everyone except Onesiphorus and his household, everyone except Onesiphorus and his household, had turned away from Paul and the message of the gospel. He says in verse 15, You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are uh, Phygelus and Hermogenes. Uh, May the Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains." So that's why he exhorts Timothy to be strong in the grace of Jesus. He doesn't want Timothy to become like the people of Asia that he writes about in verse 15. Don't turn away from the gospel, Timothy. Uh, Turn into the gospel and serve the Lord Jesus Christ like Anesiphorus did, even if it means uh, personal suffering along the way. Folks, in our day there are so many people turning away from the biblical gospel. Therefore, it's critical for us to to preserve uh, and persevere, to run the race set before us, to lean into the gospel with all of its responsibilities and all of its opportunities, and be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Notice that Paul did not say, be strong. He, He said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul was not calling Uh, Timothy to be strong in himself. He's not calling us to be strong in ourselves. That would be foolish. You you, you can't just grit your teeth and clench your fists and set your jaw and become a strong spiritual person. It doesn't work that way. You might as well uh, tell a a snail to be fast or a, a horse to fly as to tell a sinful man or a sinful woman to be strong. No, we are to be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
because that's where we find the power for Christian living and Christian service. Not in ourselves, not in our own personal uh, holiness, uh, not in our education or denomination, not in our nationality or personality, but only in the grace of Jesus. So why does he make such a big deal of that? Why is it so important for us to be strong in the grace of Jesus? Well, it's so that we can be faithful to teach the truth. So that we can be faithful to teach the truth. It takes the grace of Jesus to teach the truth of the Scriptures uh, in a way that they will be impactful and powerful. This is the second word of encouragement early in this uh, second chapter of Second Timothy, be faithful to teach the truth. So once again, Paul, the older gospel-centered apostle, is writing to Timothy, the younger gospel-centered church leader, and he says in verse 2, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Be strong in the grace of Jesus so that you can take what you have learned and entrust that to faithful men and women who will entrust that to faithful men and women who will entrust that to faithful men and women. And so the gospel is preserved and the gospel is guarded as we transmit the gospel from one generation to the next. And you don't have to have a Bible college degree to do this. It's not rocket science. This is biblical discipleship 101. In fact, it's quite simple. Be strong in the grace of Jesus and teach others what you have learned. Be faithful to share the truth that you've learned with others so that they can pass it on uh, and on and on and on. Discipleship is helping other people follow Jesus. And you do that every time you share the Word of God and teach others the Word of God, or even share with them what you yourself have learned. And by the way, your commitment to teach or mentor or coach or disciple other people in the Word of God might sometimes lead to opposition and suffering. And that's the reason Paul exhorts Timothy to share in suffering for the gospel. He says in verse 3, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So he uses three different metaphors as a teaching tool. Each of them illustrates a different aspect of our responsibility in the transmission of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The soldier, the athlete, the farmer. We're going to look at each, each of them one by one. He talks about the soldier in verses 3 and 4. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Soldiers on active duty do not expect the life of luxury or safety. They, they take hardship and risk and suffering as a matter of course. 
These things are part and parcel of a soldier's calling. Well, they're part and parcel of a Christian's calling also. If a believer is loyal to the transmission of the gospel, she should expect opposition. She should expect persecution and ridicule because it's going to happen. At some level, at some point along the way, at some time along this journey, it's going to happen. So learn to expect it. That's why Paul invites Timothy and us to share in suffering for the gospel. A good soldier also focuses on pleasing the commanding officer. He does not allow himself to get entangled in the things that that would distract him or divert him from the mission that he's been called to, to. We also need to stay focused on the mission of making disciples for the glory of God. That's our number one job as believers in Jesus Christ. The second metaphor is a law-abiding athlete. Paul turns now from the Roman soldier uh, to the competitor in the Greek games, the athlete. He says in verse 5, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So every sport has its rules and every event has its prize. But no athlete, no matter how brilliant, wins the Stanley Cup or the World Series or the gold medal unless he or she competes according to the rules. Perhaps if Paul were writing today, he might say, athletes cannot use performance-enhancing drugs. Or quarterbacks must not deflate the football. I don't know. But the point is, it would actually be much easier to win if we didn't have to play according to the rules. If we didn't have to follow the rules and, and, and we could cheat, it would be easy to win. But Paul recognizes that when you live according to the rules, there might be suffering along the way too. It's hard to follow the rules, but Christians can't get crowned unless they follow the rules. The third metaphor Paul uses is the industrious farmer. 2 Timothy 2 verse 6, it's the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So, a soldier must follow the rules Sorry, a soldier must follow orders, an athlete must play fair, and a farmer must work hard. He must work hard. It's indispensable to good farming. He simply can't afford to be lazy. I've never known, I've never met a lazy farmer before. And farming is not exactly exciting or glamorous. It's just one of those things that somebody has to do it. No one ever holds a parade when the harvest is, is in. The farmer doesn't hold a press conference when he's finished bailing his hay. It's not glitzy or glamorous, but neither is making disciples. Making disciples is hard work too. It takes plowing and planting and fertilizing and watering and, and constant monitoring of those that you're working with. And farming is like disciple making in that it's endless. It really never ends. The farmer does not clock in and clock out. He gets up early, he works the field, he cares for the animals, and he shoots the wolves. He goes to bed at night, and he gets up the next day, and he does the same thing all over again, every day, 365 days of the year. He's devoted to his work. Well, brothers and sisters, we need to be devoted to the work of making disciples for the glory of God. 
That's what he's called us to. And sometimes that includes suffering along the way for the sake of the gospel. That's okay too. But the farmer gets to share in the harvest, and so do we. The, 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 the farmer gets to share in the fruit of his labor, and so do we. Oh yes, making disciples can be hard work, but there are tremendous blessings attached to doing this, to making disciples for the glory of God. And these words of encouragement from the Apostle Paul really help us to maintain perspective, don't they? Be strong in the grace of Jesus. Be faithful to teach the truth. Share in suffering for the gospel. And last but not least, remember who the hero is. Remember who the hero is. He says in verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering. In order for us to endure to the end, through the good seasons and the bad, believers must never lose sight of Jesus. And, and, and Paul says, Remember Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't forget about Jesus. And at first glance, this may seem like, a, like an unnecessary statement. I mean, who's, who, who among us is going to forget about Jesus? Who, who is going to forget about his work, what he's done for us? However, you know as well as I do that the human memory is, is notoriously fickle, right? Isn't it? I mean, it's entirely possible for you to forget your own phone number or your address or your postal code, even though you know it. It's locked in there, but you forget. And, and certainly there have been occasions through the years in which the church and her leaders have forgotten whose people they are and whose mission they have joined. I mean, all throughout the history of Israel, it's a, it's a story of, of forgetfulness. People forgetting who the Almighty God is and what their calling is. So we need to be careful too. We just need to be careful. The mission is to make disciples who love Jesus and follow Jesus. We can't forget about Jesus. I mean, if we make this all about church buildings and church programs and, and church budgets, then the person and work of Jesus will slowly get pushed to the fringe, and we will forget about him. That can't happen. Not here. Not at the gathering. In verse 8, Paul says that Jesus is risen from the dead and descended from David. In other words, Jesus is fully God and fully man at the same time. He's risen from the dead and descended from David. Jesus Christ died in our place for our sins. He rose again from the, from the grave. He conquered our enemies. And now he sits at the Father's right hand. The Apostle Paul says that he's enduring suffering because he's absolutely convinced that through this ministry of the Word of God, God will save some people. Look at verse 10. He says, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. While there is disagreement among Christians on the doctrine of election, a good biblical understanding of the doctrine does not undercut evangelism, but rather empowers it. You see, we press on, 
We share the gospel. We teach the gospel. We preach the gospel. We do evangelism. We tell the truth. Because we're sure that God will save some, he says so. These people will obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ by the power of the word of God. And furthermore, verse 13 brings us great comfort. It says, even when we are faithless in this ministry, even when we are faithless, God is faithful. Mm. So my friend, listen, when, you're, when your tank is empty, when you run out of gas, when there's nothing left, you've got nothing left on reserve to give, remember this. The tomb is empty and the throne is occupied. The tomb is empty, the throne is occupied. You can endure anything. You can face anything. You can climb any mountain. You can, you can walk through the, the, the hottest desert on the planet <laughs> if you have a lofty vision of Jesus Christ, his person, and his work. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, let us run the race with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Look to Jesus. He will guide us. He will lead us. Remember the hero of the gospel. Remember the hero. His name is Jesus, and he loves you. He cares about you. Don't grow weary and lose heart, my friend. Stay at it. Jesus is the hero of the gospel, and he will get us through. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious Heavenly Father, though the nations rage, kingdoms rise and fall, there is still only one king reigning over all. And so, Lord, we will not fear because this truth remains, that our God is the Ancient of Days. He's the supreme ruler of the universe. And we gladly bow at the feet of Jesus this morning and surrender all to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.